Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. It just means a lot to me. So glad we're excited, and we do. We celebrate this. All that we do means so much to see people who are just really just not knowing God uh, deeply and intimately, and intimately is what we're looking for, and now they're, they're turning to God, and it means so much to us. As I was saying to those who are being baptized, you're going to hear people celebrating, and it's going to be excited. Some people are going to be like, well, what is this? This is a baptism. I said, a lot of what you're hearing is that people that are out there were sitting where you are in this room and getting ready to go in this tank. They remember that because it happened here at Chair City Church, and they know the difference it made in their life. They know how much things are so much better and better because of it, so they are truly excited, deeply excited for you, right? So... We are in the last week of a series that we've been doing, a three-week series called True-ish. And this saying ish, it kind of came about, what, 10, 15 years ago? Sort of kind of attached itself to a younger generation. And, and that ish, that ish part of true-ish, it means, it really means more not true than true, right? It, it kind of uh, maybe even more lies than truth, meaning you can't really trust in that ish part of the true-ish, right? And sometimes these lies, it could be kind of funny, like that holiday and commercial, you know, 11-ish, you know, like that. But sometimes it could settle in into some serious, critical areas of our lives. These lies, these ish things could creep into the foundation of our life, causing cracks, fracturing, and immaturity. And what happens is when times of pressure come, difficulty comes, duress, transition, that foundation of our life just doesn't hold well. It can come apart. It's easily shaken and affects us in a very negative and at times consequential way. So if things were not hard enough, now we have to deal with us and our cracked and broken and fragmented foundation in the midst of all that difficulty. It's not what God had for us. The truth is this. God says he loves you. He does. I know that. Everybody in this tank knows that. And you matter to him. And he has come after you. He has pursued you. That's why we're here today. That's what I was telling some of those in the tank. God has pursued you. He's brought you here today. That's why we're here. You see, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, who left heaven, came to earth, and took on human flesh. He voluntarily gave his life on the cross for me and for you. He did this out of his love and obedience to his Father in heaven. He gave his life so that we would be forgiven and restored to our heavenly Father and then have the free gift of eternal life. He did this so that we would all be set free and truly be free indeed. This is our truth. This is the truth we live for, we serve for, that we hope for. And this is the foundation of our life for those who follow Jesus. This is the foundation that you can have for those who are kicking it around, who have maybe put it aside. We would not want to build our lives on materialistic things, on external things. Yes, they can be and often are valuable, and they're okay to decorate our lives with in meaningful places, absolutely for the most part to some extent, but they cannot be the foundation of our lives. They cannot be the core of who we are. 
because when those storms come, and they do come, man, as soon as you can, as soon as you realize there's a life out there to be lived, they come. We want to withstand them. We not only want to withstand them, we want to become better in the storm, right? Because I do believe God intended that for us. Remember, it's not the decoration, but the foundation that makes you strong when things go wrong. True-ish thinking, ish, often grows out of our feelings, right? You see, it's, it seems to be we're more prone to live our lives, to build our lives on feelings than truth, right? And that's because most of the time, truth, often with us, we, it can surrender to our feelings, but that's not what God had for us, right? And truth surrenders to feeling because how could it be wrong, so wrong if it feels so right? So we justify our actions based on our feelings, which are strong and driving, at times passionate. But we're making decisions in life based on how we feel. We do this to, in a sense, be true to ourselves. But consider this. Instead of being true to yourself, be true to your creator. Yeah, the one true God who created heaven, earth, and you. Who created every person in that tank. You are created by God in the image of God. It's so true. When you consider all of the universe and all of the creatures in the universe and how you are so magnificently different in the most important ways, the way you love The way you love is like no other creature. The way you can be intimate is like no other creature in the universe. The way you can think of the future is like no other creature in the universe. So why not love as God called you to love? Why not think of the future as God called you to think of the future? Hopeful, peaceful, trusting. Wow, it's a good future, right? You were created in the image of God. So when you base your decision on what God says and not truth, then my feelings surrender to truth. And life immediately becomes much more livable. And difficulties become much more overcomable. Is there a word called? It is today. Okay. (laughs) Look, but these lies creep in and they get into the foundation, our core. Today we're going to talk about these, these true-ish slash lies that we believe about ourselves. I'm really going to get on a couple of things here that I think are paramount. And we want, it, let's, we want to bring truth to these lies because the truth will set you free. Now, a big true-ish thought is this. If I focus more on myself, then I will be more fulfilled. Yeah. See, so I'm not really fulfilled. I think there's something missing. I just want more. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm kind of empty. I'm disconnected. I want to change this. So I'm going to really turn to myself and begin to focus within me. And, and what I have to do, I'm going to focus on myself. And, and that's going to help me and make me more fulfilled. And, and that's, that's just a lie. That's misleading. Yes, it is good to progress in life. I'm an ambitious guy, as you all know. You know, it's good to build your talents and your gifts and improve on skills and, and trades and increase your education. I mean, I'm still doing it. I'm 53. All this is admirable. Ambition is admirable. 
but you but it cannot be your foundation and to if you focus more on yourself and believing that this is what's going to bring you to a place of fulfillment, I'm not talking like in the moment when you're thinking that way, it kind of strokes you, you feel a little bit better. I'm not talking short term, the thought of what you think might come from that makes you feel a little bit better. I'm talking about something permanent. I'm talking about that as the day goes on, it doesn't get weaker and weaker and wane and wane. It's the effect on you in your heart and mind, but it gets stronger and stronger. I'm talking about being fulfilled, not being decreased. Most, some of the most lonely and unfulfilled people on earth. And this is not just Dave Preacher. This is just life. This is just, we, we know this from studying people. Behavioral sciences. Man, I think Harvard, just, I won't, I, I won't, I'm not going to quote it, but I could tell you that Harvard just finished one of the largest, maybe the largest studies of human behavior that spanned about, I think it was something like 70 years from a graduating class they had in the 30s. Uh, I think one of the Kennedys were a part of it all the way till now. They branched it out into different socioeconomic levels and they came out and they said, man, you know, it really, some of those unfulfilled people, my words, but summarizing what they said on earth are people who really were more self-centered, people who really weren't thinking of others, people who didn't build good and healthy relationships. They tended to be more self-centered. They took blood tests. They did interview all this, and this is what they arrived at. Now, you might be caught up in this way of living. You just might not even realize it. But how cool it is that you came in here today. Actually, most people who live this way don't realize it. It's just so normal to them. And we, we, I think we all do it to one degree or another. I mean, just because you, you know how you know that, because have you ever thought, I mean, maybe I'm the only one who thinks like this. But have you ever just thought of just telling somebody, can you just please get over yourself? Right? Can you just, I mean, why don't you turn to the person on your left or right and say, can you just get over yourself? Just, there you go. Some of you did that so quick. And, so, and we're so glad to do it. Eh? Pastor says so, hey man, it's on him, right? <laughs> Look, you know, yesterday was uh, the city's annual uh, fall festival. It was a great event. And, and we at Cheer City Church, on, based on the city's invitation, we are so glad that we set up the kid zone. They actually put out a post out. Do we have it? Do we have that post they put out there? All right. So anyway, we, they put out a post on their Facebook page. We're just thanking us and saying such good things about us and, and just the positive effect we had on the whole event. I thank you, man. I thank you for all you're doing. Mm. So now before, so early in the morning, before my family set out to go to the kid zone to, to volunteer and help out, I asked Christy, my wife Christy, for our guest, how her neck and her shoulder was doing. Because recently she's been telling me she's getting some pain in that area again. And as some of you know, I've mentioned that uh, a while back, maybe a year, year and a half back, Christy had similar symptoms, pain in her neck and shoulders, and it developed into really a serious situation that was very painful for her painful for her and debilitating to her, to her life for three months, three and a half months. So Christy, in response to my question, said she's okay. And, uh, and she was okay because she had followed my suggestion. And that was the night before, before she went to bed. I said, hey, why don't you take some leave before you go to bed, you know? And she did that, and, and it helped her. And now this morning, after she told me, you know, she's feeling a little bit, I said, look, I, I said, look, why don't you take some more leave in the morning and every eight to 10 hours? So she's like, okay, I'm not doing too bad. I slept much better than the last night. I said, okay, well, every eight hours now, get on it and take more leave, you know? 
So we're done with the event. Now, you know, you know it's, now it's like, you know, we're done with the event. We hang out with some people. We get home. It's like, I don't know, pushing like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And uh, I, I ask, and she says to me, she goes, you know what? I, I think my shoulder is starting to hurt me. And I just, I like pounce on her verbally. I'm like, well, did you take the leave? She's like, not yet. And I'm like, you know, in a frustrated voice and probably in my Italian way, I'm like, okay, Christy, you know? <laughs> you, I do, you, know you, you know that. Some of you know that, right? So, Christy, you need to take the leave. You got to do that, right? Now, of course, I'm telling her this because I care for her so much. Yeah, maybe. But, but, but also the fact is this, that when Christy has these problems and when she had that problem in her neck and her shoulders, it was disrupting to her, but it's also messed up my life. <laughs> and I, I mean, it, it wrecked my schedule, man. She when she couldn't get up and walk around, when she, she couldn't lay in our bed and stay in our bed, let me tell you something, life was not good. <laughs> A lot of gaps and voids going on there, right? And so perhaps the frustration that was coming from me you know, was, 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 of course, in a moment I wouldn't recognize this or admit it, but maybe I was frustrated not so much, you know, out of my love for her, but because of what was going to happen in my life and what I was perceiving now, right? Well, and, and perhaps my wife sensed that and knew that. Of course, she wasn't going to say it because she knows I would never admit that in the moment, right? <laughs> That's me. I mean, you're probably so much better than me, you guys, right? Well, about a half hour, now here we are, about a half, about, now here we go, right? About a half hour later, I lie down in bed, and yes, it's that same bed I told you about last week, the one that I had got up in the morning and made nice for my wife and fixed the bedspread and everything. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I just thought I'd toss that out there. Not that I'm looking for any credit here. So I lie down in the bed after running around all day, right? I'm tired, I'm aching, I am, I got aches all over me. And I let out this kind of moan, but, but I put just I, a little like moan out loud. And that's my kind of mature way of telling my wife, I need you to rub my aches and pains, okay? <laughs> that's how we communicate in my house. So, and, and you know what my wife does? She climbs in the bed next to me, and she says, and she says it so sarcastically. And she, she's even laughing when she says it. Like she just, she, she puts her head over my head as she's laughing. And she says, well, did you take a leave this morning? <laughs> it's a true story. Listen, I'm not happy about this. Our guests are wondering why you're clapping so much at this. <laughs> she says, well, did you take a leave this morning? You said you need to take it because it helps you a lot with your aches and pains from running around all day. I said, no, I forgot to take it. She said, well, that's too bad. <laughs> I said, I'm not kidding, man. It's true. Now, some of you are very happy about this, but at least I can turn to my guests who are here today who don't know my personality and my wife's personality, and I can just lean to them for sympathy, right? So what happened here? How did I get in this losing position? How did I turn this very sweet and gentle and genuine genu woman into this sarcastic rah, 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 to on me? I should not even she was having fun with it. By the way, I have witnesses to this. Right, wasn't you know there? Yeah, she's here, okay. Listen, what, hap what happened? How did I get to this losing position? Well, I had a poor starting point. If you have a bad starting point, you will have a poor conclusion. You get that? 
Maybe that'll help clarify some things to people. Like, how did I get here? If you have a bad starting point, you're going to have a poor conclusion. This is true in life. This is true in occupations. This is true in relationships. We have a poor starting point more than not because we start with self. We start with ourselves. I mean, how do you figure out the truth when it comes to situations in your marriage, uh, you know, relationships? Do you start with yourself? How do you figure out the difficulties that come upon you in life and how to navigate critical decisions? Do you start with yourself? Jesus says you want to have a strong foundation, and Jesus says the foundation is God's truth. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians, the third chapter, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Meaning, what was going on here, as we explained quickly, was that those who were being baptized, they were going down under the water. And that water resembled a grave, where now they were spiritually leaving behind their past. They were leaving behind that which clouded them, which dogged them, which hindered them from knowing God and experiencing all that he has for them. That this was not going to be what they looked at. This was, this was behind them now. This was not going to drive them. It certainly never did really inspire them. It might have motivated them in terrible ways, but that's dying now. And every day forward I live for God, it dies more and more and has less and less effect on me everything, things that went on that I don't even know are clear, but it's dying. It's di- I'm going forward now. I'm rising up with Jesus. See, Jesus died. He was buried, and he came up, and he conquered death, and all that stuff that's hanging on me, that's motivating me in negative ways, it's got to die, and it dies today, right? And like Jesus was resurrected, I'm now resurrected with him, and I have new life in Jesus So since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. As I speak to you, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding. He's talking to God on your behalf, on my behalf. It's to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I mean, you know what, this stuff going on, they're real problems, they're real. They're not going away, you know. But I got to tell you this, glance at your problems and gaze at God this morning. Fix your mind on things above and you will transcend your circumstances. And what happens? Nothing changes, but everything changes. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He holds you in his hands, people. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you will also appear with him in glory, we will be in heaven with him. So Paul's telling us what Jesus taught and what he lived. You see, Jesus does, like everything else, Jesus, everything else, he, he's teaching like everything else Jesus taught, meaning what Jesus did, and he did it to everything, was he raised the standard. He took everything to the next level. Je- you see, let me apply that. Jesus doesn't leave it just at get over yourself. I would leave it at get over yourself. But Jesus takes it to another level, and Jesus tells us to die to ourselves. That's what Jesus does, huh? So what does that look like? What does it look like to die to ourselves, to live our life? Like, you know, because you're thinking, die to ourselves. (laughs) What does that look like to die to ourselves? I'm going to take a quick look at a video that gives you an example in the ebb and flow of life what it could look like when you're in this way of thinking, of dying to yourself. Let's go. 
and this pulley is helping him. The man is caught between two train cars. Overman's rushed out to help him. The trains are about to go soon. They're not pumped. Now she's helping him because his foot is stuck on there. Glake, he's stuck. It's metal. He's caught in there. Boom, she gets him loose. What's going on? She's risking her life, huh? She's risking her life every moment. Now, I thank God for Jen Regret, huh? Way to go, Jen. <laughs> So glad that Jen is one of us as Christ followers and part of Cheer City Church here. So glad that. I, I was a little disappointed that she didn't mention my name when the whole thing was going on, but you know, she could have just said, you know, Pastor Dave, man, but she didn't. It's okay. So but my point is, is that this is real. This actually plays out. It, meaning that when things come into your life, what's your foundation? If you're living, as Christ says, not only to get over yourself, but you're living to die to yourself, because that's really the only way you're going to get over yourself, because, man, you got some big self going on. You don't have to be like the Camerons to be big physically, you know. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, there's a lot of you there. And to get over it, you simply got to die to yourself. When you die to that, you're dying to all that shouldn't be there, and you're living out life in a different way. Right? You're living out, and so you're in your condition now to see opportunities, to see life differently. It's such a wonderful thing to die to yourself and see the world in this incredibly unselfish, life-giving way. And so when you're a general regret and you're driving along and you're, 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 you're just going to get something to eat and, and there's this guy cornered between two cars, it just boom, comes on you. Like so many other things come on you. Like you wake up one day and someone tells this, I'm leaving you. Someone says this, this has happened to me. And someone says this, you know, we gotta take you home. Or, 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 or you've got this going on, you have all these things, you just, in that moment it happens. And what are you gonna do? And if you're living from yourself, it's not gonna go well. But if you're living because you've died yourself and you're living out for God, well, you're going to be prepared for the storm, for the difficulty, for the challenge. Jen was ready. You know, she was there because she had conditioned her spirit to die to herself and to live for God. And so of all the people there that were waiting in line, and obviously there were a handful, somebody was filming it, right? She, little old Jen, jumps out of her car and risks her life to save the guy and to glorify God, as she said so well, huh? That's way it looks like listen <laughs> no plan listen the bible can greatly help improve your life right the bible the bible has the words of truth in the scripture have greatly improved the lives of billions of people that's just a statistical fact right but now check this out the bible is not a self-help book it really was never intended to be a self-help book. It can do that, as I said, you know, billions of people. And you see, Jesus, he did not necessarily bring a self-help message. The message from Jesus to us is that we would die to ourselves so that we could live this way, that, that what they're feeling in this tank, when I'm holding them, I can feel their hearts, you know? Even the big tank, I can feel their hearts coming out of their chest. I can feel their, I mean, they're just in such a good place. 
That's what happens when we begin to think about dying to ourselves and living for God and trusting in Him. God wants us to know this and to do this. Take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Jesus is not calling you to self-help. Jesus is calling you to self-sacrifice. Jesus is saying, follow me and I will show you how to endure the most challenging things in your life. I will show you how to govern yourself and how to respond in ways and manners that you never thought you would or could. So just trust in me, surrender to me, come under my hand and I will raise you up in the most painful times during the most difficult decisions in your life. The, the, the message, it's kind of a, a paraphrase of the Bible, kind of try and puts it in a very casual way, but I dig it the way they say it here. It says, Jesus is saying this, what kind of a deal is it to get everything you wanted but lose yourself? What could you ever trade in this world for your soul? You see, yourself gets in the way of your soul, right? And by the way, your soul is in you. It's what God has put in you. It's the best part of you. And that's what we're talking about today, your soul. That's what's on the line here today, your soul. You see, your soul is essential, and Jesus is essential to the health of your soul. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus, I am the way for you to be rescued and restored to your Father in heaven, rescued from that old life that really is decaying and dying by the minute and draining you while it's happening, and restoring you to a life of hope and peace and joy and eternal life. All right, so another truish. I'm going to push through now. Another true-ish lie that we believe is this. When it comes to ourselves, you need to clean yourself up in order to come to God. Yeah. You need to clean your life up in order to say, okay, I'm going to now live for God. I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, I, I, I didn't go to church because of this reason. I, 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 I believed in God. I didn't trust him, but I believed in God. I believed there was a God, but I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't step into church because I thought this way, that I was a mess, living very deplorably, very immorally, off the charts, and, and that I just didn't belong in church. I really would have problems even kind of talking about God. I mean, I would tell if I seen like a prostitute or somebody strung out, I'd say, man, you need to go to church. Here's, you know, here's some food, but get to church. But I, I, just, I wouldn't really get into it because I knew, you know, who was I? I'm, I'm in such a mess. Huh? And, 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 I, I, and again, I, I believe there was a God because when I was 17, as I said, late a teen, people reached out to me. They helped me. They took me in off the street. But, but I, I just I couldn't come to a place of trusting in him because of the whole of my life, you know? And because of not only things that happened to me when I was younger, but things I saw in people. I mean, the things I would see people do, whether it was, you know, school teachers, nurses, plumbers, politicians, principals, lawyers, doctors, carpenters, electricians, or the things I would see them do to themselves and to other people, I just knew there was so much evil. 
And I, I just, this is people, man. They'll do what they got to do for themselves. And even when, I, I, I really just, I saw this world as an evil place where you really can't trust anybody. And that's just how it is. So do what I have to do to, you know, to survive, to keep going and to make my way. And, you know, I, I, didn't think, I, I didn't think poorly of Christians. I actually thought well of Christians and, and, and well of God because of what happened when I was 17. I, I just, I couldn't really come to that place of, of, of just trusting in it. My problem was, was not that as a lot of people have, if there's a God, how is there so much evil in this world? My thought was, okay, no, no, no. There's a lot of evil in this world, and if it wasn't for God, there wouldn't be any good here. That's how I saw it. That this is dark, man, and we can be so dark. Yeah, even that guy who you think is so nice, he's a dark man. And I, I, it's just what I saw. It's what I knew. I said, but at least, you know, but the, well, the good I experienced came from this God stuff. So in a, in a way, that actually helped me. That way of thinking helped me a lot because I think it's a big obstacle for people. This is an evil place. A lot of ugly stuff going on. Think about your thoughts and what goes on. And your God pours out his love and his grace into this world. And we can be and do so much better than we ever could without him. Yes? God is with us. So I just didn't trust God. And I thought I had to be a, a better person when it came to coming to church. Right? And that's, that's true, right? Like we need to be better people and clean things up before we come to God. Matter of fact, the people that we baptize here today, I just want to let you know, they are phenomenal holy people. I just want to let you know, every single one of them, you know? I mean, they are like angelic. If you talk to their moms and their friends and their family that are here today, they would tell you that they are astoundingly without sin. They are, they are so pleasant and cooperating. I mean, day to day, no matter what happens, they are just a treasure to be around, Right? Matter of fact, we, we actually had to take some extra time in like protecting one of their wings before we put them in the tank, right? <laughs> Listen, many people think this way. They do. They, they, they think this way. Maybe not those words, but it's floating around that I've got to clean up my act before I come to God. Here's the good news. You don't have to do that. You don't have to clean up your act before you come to God. That's truish. That's a lie. You come to God to get your life cleaned up. You trust in God, and as you trust in him and start to live and die to yourself and live for him, and then what happens is you transcend your circumstances and you get better and better, and things just kind of have a way of cleaning themselves up, right? God does the work for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Just believe, and you can't take credit for this. Bobby just wants to make sure, right? It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. I can't boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece, meaning God is doing his great work in you, a masterful work in you when you come to faith in him. He has created us new in Jesus Christ so we can do the good things that he planned for us a long time ago. God's got great plans for you. You know, and before you get to those good things, you've got to be set free from the old self and the old person. You've got to know that God has a gift for you, the gift of eternal life, the gift of seeing out the things he's planned for you fulfilled on this earth. So how do you get there? How do you get clean? How do you get to freedom? Well, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice as a living sacrifice. And that's what we do here this morning. Right now, I want you to start to have this moment where you are offering yourself up to God as an offering. We are to die to ourselves and to live for him. We begin to think, how much more of myself can I give to God? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
It says, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he, God, will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is the way to have an intimate relation with God. Do you like intimacy? I love intimacy. Oh, and, 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 and true intimacy, wonderful intimacy. The intimacy that God made us for as human beings, because no other creature in the universe can have intimacy like we can have intimacy. None. No one. And I haven't figured this out yet. And I'm, I dig scientists, and I, I dig study, and I dig academics, and it's worthy and helpful and made a huge difference in our lives. But check this out. No one's been able to say, where does this come from, this love, this desire for intimacy that we crave? Well, you know, what comes from God who created us, yes? It's what God, God made us. And we begin to live now, apart from ourselves, we begin to now, live now to worship God. Today, let's have a moment. I want to talk to two groups of people as we close. The first group is for those who've never said truly yes to Jesus. Maybe he's a kid, as a child, you know, you kicked it around, and you, you believe like every answer was Jesus. Like, okay, what's furry and round? Jesus, 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 right? It's supposed to be funny. <laughs> but this is the first time you've heard the message in this way, the first time it's resonated to you, what Jesus has done for you. Maybe it's the 50th time you've heard it, but now it's just resonating in you. And that's not the way I'm speaking it. It's what God is doing in you. He's stirring you. He's, God, Holy Spirit, is drawing you closer to him because he's such a gracious and loving God. But today's the first time you ever say, I believe, I truly believe. I say yes to Jesus today. And when you say yes, you want that to be in the form of a prayer, a conversation to him. Heavenly Father, you just want to say, I've, I've sinned, I've missed the mark, I've lived my life for me, because it's what I know, it's how I survived, it's how I protected myself, but, but I get it, it was against you, it was not with you, it was, I was living for myself, but forgive me, oh God, I want to live for you today, and I wait, and I hold, and I take a hold of that forgiveness that I know I have from you. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your life on the cross and, 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 and for coming here to, to reach me, to, to run after me, to pursue me, and to make a way for me. I, I trust in you, and I want to live my life for you, Jesus. And for those of you who've already said yes to Jesus, that you've kind of spiritually drifted from that really, op, you know, that optimum place, that place of commitment and trust in Jesus, and you're kind of living out faith in a selective way, uh, put some faith here and some of me here and maybe a little bit of faith here in this area of my life and a little bit of me in this area of my life. Man, that's just not what God's called you to, right? That's, uh, that's kind of like what that is, that selective placement of faith is you're actually preserving yourself. And what you're preserving are the things that God has not planned for you. And what you're preserving are the things that are dogging you. And what you're preserving is just holding on to yourself while your soul is just withering today. But your soul was meant to thrive, to be alive in a splash life. And so today, you're going to move away from that kind of stale, cold, casual faith, and you're going to press on to live out your life for Jesus, right? You're going to run hard. God is inviting you today. He's calling you, and Jesus is saying, I want to be first in your life. And you're going to have that moment today. While the band is playing, you're going to have that moment of saying, Jesus is going to be first in my life, first in my marriage, first in relationships, first with my kids. Jesus is first, right? This morning, I'm making a commitment to Jesus that Jesus, you are essential. Let's stand with me. Let's pray. Father, I know you are calling people to you this morning.
I pray for their strength to move towards you, to take a hold of you. Lord, I pray that now they would just sense your love and your mercy and know that in a dark world, it's always been there. That You've carried them, sustained them, and you've called them to this moment that they can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. When you came in here today, you were handed a card. It's a connection card. And on the back, it says, my next steps. And there's two statements. One says, I've decided to start a new relationship with Jesus. And the other one says, I've decided to renew my relationship with Jesus. Consider the words we've said. Consider the words you spoke within yourself to God. And if that is you today, that you are starting a new relationship with Jesus, that someday soon you're going to be in that tank with me. That someday soon you're going to be splashing life and love to people around you. That you know when they're going out, they're living their life, they're thinking, I thank God for that person, you, who's making my life that much better because of the way they live their life. Huh? Loving, caring, comfort, and peace. They splash it out around them. If that's you and you decide to start a new relationship with Jesus, or you're, st- or you're deciding to renew my relationship with Jesus, this is what it's going to be. Jesus first, check the box off. Bring it out to the guest services table. They'll give you a package. It's got a Bible. If you're really kind of not into connecting to people or seeing them, and just put it in a black box as you go out, and we will see that. Okay? But today is your spiritual moment. When that band is playing, take it in. Today is your day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. To God be the glory.